The following program is part of the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations China podcast series. For more information on the National Committee, visit us at www.ncuscr.org or connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, or Weibo. My name is Margot Landman. I am Senior Director for Education Programs at the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations. Joining me today on the NCUSCR China podcast is Jiayang Fan, a staff writer for The New Yorker. Jiayang, thanks for taking the time to talk with me today. It's my pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. Our topic today is mutual perceptions in the time of President Xi and President-elect Trump, how Americans see China and how Chinese see the United States and its incoming president. I have a problem with the question itself, <laughs> even though I have posed it, because of the sweeping generality. If we have seen anything in the recent election, it is that there is no one American or American point of view, and the same can be said even without an election for Chinese people. They are not a monolith. Okay, so we get that out of the way. <laughs> President Xi has been in power for a few years now, so let's start with him and Americans' perceptions of him. How do you think Americans in general view him? Are there differences among different groups of people, say the foreign policy elite, the worker in Michigan or Wisconsin, or other Americans? Right, that's a good question, I think, and I think it gets to it gets us to you know our current state of Sino-American relations. When she was first, when she was when she first was first you know um, uh, suggested for the post, and when it became apparent that he was going to be the next leader of China, there was a great hope that he would be a different kind of leader considering his experience in the U.S. He was the first Chinese leader who would have, you know, had any exposure to the West. And I think within the foreign policy elite, there was, you know, the optimistic um, ones really hoped that he would have he would at least have greater tolerance for liberal values and in the most ideal of circumstances would try to import that into his administration and even during his first second years in office there was the vague um, uh, hope that he as he you know really you know, took control of his um, office, that he would turn toward um, becoming, you know, more comfortable with the West and um, really assimilating some of those, uh, you know, values and being more open, I think, to political, you know, to different, you know, political opinions and um, just being kind of, you know, less of um, uh, Maoist or, um, you know, Deng sort of dictatorial leader and, uh, you know, be more, um, uh, be more open. And that really hasn't proven to be the case um, much to, you know, uh, many 
people's disappointment. He, if anything, um, has become you know more authoritarian than the you know than the previous generation of technocrats, and uh, it seems as. Um, as you know, we're um, entering 2017. That he's certainly not going to deviate from that course. That if anything, um, as he has installed more of his people in key positions and you know ousted those that um, you know are that 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 he doesn't feel like you know has um, is completely loyal to him. That he wants to he wants you know Chinese society to be um, sort of more tightly controlled than ever. And um, that's, um, that's very worrying, I think, for those of us who care about human rights um, and who are, who had really, um, you know, wished for a different kind of, you know, a more enlightened kind of government and one that would be open to different opinions. I mean, that's really, you know, not, um, that, that's not proving to be the case at all. Now let's turn to how Chinese perceive Trump. Again, <laughs> are there differences among different groups of people, or is there fairly, a fairly uniform view? Right. I mean, certainly, uh, I think there are, there are differences. And I don't think, um, as you said earlier, there isn't one, you know, monolithic, you know, Chinese people and with their unanimous opinion. I think among the older generation of Chinese who grew up in a China with lots of Trump branded um, products. There's this idea of him as a very successful entrepreneur and businessman, um, very, uh, you know, very um, accomplished, at, you know, both on TV and uh, in his um, in his you know hotel and uh, casino empire. And again, um, I think a very optimistic wish that he will bring that into his office as president. Um, among those who, among the younger generation, I think, you know, those who are more educated, who have, who are able to read um, foreign reporting or have an interest in, um, uh, you know, media um, opinion from the West, there, I think there's a greater sense of um, worry and just, um, uh, concerned that a man who is such, uh, who is so um, loose with his words and so irresponsible with his opinions, um, whether it's about women or immigrants, that, um, you know, that he is going to be the leader of the most powerful country in the world. I think among the more educated um, Chinese, there this this is a cause for concern. So in that sense, um, you know, there is uh, a, a divide in, in opinion. Uh, in terms of the Chinese government, I think before his call with you know the Taiwan Taiwanese um, president, there had been at least um, again um, uh, this wish that if he is somewhat ignorant and you know unprincipled, that might translate into ideological flexibility in his dealings with China, that he might not want to focus as much time and attention on 
human rights in China and um, you know liberal you know liberal values um, in China. But now that he has essentially lobbed this bomb with his comments about you know his um, about uh, one China policy, I think there is definitely greater anxiety about what this could mean um, with a Trump presidency and this sense that you know his um, you know irreverence and um, iris- you know lack of responsibility could only escalate tensions rather than, um, you know, I think in the best case scenario, just be a very pragmatic presidency that would allow, you know, China to kind of continue on with its aims. You know, now there's this sense that this guy could do real damage to Sino-American relations. How do you see his selection of Governor Branstad fitting into that? Is that reassuring or... Right. I mean, I think the timing is interesting. The fact that with, um, you know, the kind of explosive news um, of his call with um, with Tsai and his comments um, of, you know, using, you know, one China as a bargaining chip, perhaps, um, then this, this, um, his, you know, his selection of um, the ambassador seems, you know, to be um, sending a different kind of signal. Uh, this is someone that you know has had um, a personal relationship, you know, however tenuously with um, President uh, Xi, and the Chinese certainly value um, a personal relationship, especially a long-standing one. So I think this is, you know, this was greeted in China as good news. Um, this particular selection, but you don't, you know, you don't really know how to read that in conjunction with, you know, the. Um, the Taiwan call. So it's um, it's a moment of great uncertainty. And if there's one thing that the Chinese do not like, it's uncertainty, and uh, which just really um, you know rocks the boat. And China does not like that at all. I think another question would be how much authority does an ambassador actually have? Right, whether if it's a symbolic role. the State role. Department, yeah. if the Secretary of State, whoever that ends up being, mm-hmm. and his other advisors uh-huh. are calling other things into question, right. then Branstad has his hands tied. Right. Um, yeah, I worry about that, too, that there's, you know, that this is um, a gesture rather than um, any kind of commitment to um, smoother Chinese-American relations. Um, certainly, uh, it, it doesn't inspire confidence that Trump doesn't seem to know very much about you know, Asia. And it's not the kind of guy that really would buckle down and learn about, you know, um, about what he doesn't understand. And, um, and I think that's particularly dangerous when it comes to Asia and to China because, you know, the relationship is so delicate and, uh, you know, over the last few decades it's been through, you know, so many changes and China is in this aggressive moment of wanting to assert itself on the global stage. So, um, and the Chinese are known as, you know, as, you know, as, as, as someone, as, as a country that conducts its, you know, 
diplomatic relations quite carefully, and um, is at, you know if nothing else, in, you know very um, assiduous in learning about the dynamics of the situation, and you know. You have um, you have Trump, who is um, you know a bull in the china shop, someone who um, who you know doesn't care about security briefings and is you know very very um, is very um, uh, callous when it comes to details. You know this 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 is the kind of situation that um, could you know combust very very fast. You mentioned how Trump's success as a businessman is attractive to many Chinese. Throughout the campaign, there were people who said, well, wait a minute, it's not quite as simple as that. He filed for bankruptcy six times. He broke contracts. He didn't treat his workers well. Right. We've seen in the past couple of weeks articles on how we're now in a post-truth time. Very discouraging term. Very alarming term. But I wonder on the Chinese side Mm -hmm. where, this is not a very nice thing to say, but I think it's true, people have been fed untruths for a very long time. Does it matter to Chinese people looking at the U.S. that Trump is not being honest when he says just yesterday that he won by a landslide? Right. It's simply not true. Right. It seems not to matter here. Right. I wonder if it matters in China. You know, I think that's a very good question. And unfortunately, given the the kind of untruths that the Chinese leadership unleashes upon its people, I think the um, I think many you know ordinary Chinese citizens have unfortunately become so accustomed to this sort of um, treatment that there's a general distrust of what the leadership um, says, and uh, with Trump. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, um, that, that's, you know, that, that's very much the case. Plus, you have, um, the Chinese government telling the people that this is how, you know, this is how democracies are run. I mean, this is why democracies fail, because, um, you know, you, um, because there's so much, um, you know, ignorance, and this very much plays into, you know, the China's uh, Chinese leadership's idea that, you know, the Chinese are not simply are not ready for democracy. You know, you know that, and I think Trump is, unfortunately, you know, makes, um, you know, is, you know, um, is himself kind of an, you know, uh, a case that plays into um, the Chinese government's, you know, argument, and. Uh, there's also this, unfortunately, um, in China as here, uh, the people will tend to believe what they um, want to believe or have at least, you know, they will construct in their head a narrative that makes sense. For example, I was talking to Chinese journalists who said, well, you know, 
what I love about Trump is that he is someone who started with nothing and then was able to create an empire. And I really had to, you know, kind of grab him by the wrist and and, and say, what, you know, uh, start again? Um, and he said, well, you know, he, you know, a guy who's able to, you know, um, uh, you know, from a from a very, you know, lowly status, rise to where he is. And I said, that's absolutely false. And I fear that, you know, despite my exclamations, I didn't really dent his belief that he was already so fully formed that this is a guy who, um, you know, it's a Hiroshio Alger story. Um, and this is a Chinese journalist. So um, I can only imagine what, you know, many, um, what, what, what many Chinese citizens who are not in the media think and their ability to stay loyal to their beliefs, despite you know ample evidence to the to the to the contrary, um, and uh, and uh, you know uh, that is that that's something that's I think very hard to fight against. You know, kind of people's um, need to really kind of believe in the version of um, events that they already um, that they already have. <laughs> I think we're seeing that here as well. Right, and the post truth post post-fact politics. All right. Unfortunately, we've come to the end of our time. (laughs) Thank you very much for speaking with me today. This was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.